1: Welcome to Namaste Motherfuckers, the only podcast where the worlds of work, comedy and well-being collide. The podcast where the life-changing stuff happens. I'm your host, Callie Beaton, and this episode is called The Bald and the Beautiful. Oh, and welcome back, motherfuckers. Hope you enjoyed our back-to-school September. We loved going back through the Namaste motherfucking archive, and from the responses we had, we think you did too. But now we are back, baby, and we have got some pretty exciting names in the pipeline, starting with today's legendary guest. Oh, and this is obviously a very good time to rate, review, and recommend the podcast. It really does. Help other people find us, and we think we're very much worth finding, and we're completely objective. But back to today's theme, which is hair. Victorians with elaborate facial hair were known as whiskerandos. I don't know if that was just the men or whether maybe victorian women could be whiskerandos too the danish for mullet is bundesliga i'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly bundesliga which translates as the hair of a german football player anticipating sex apparently increases your facial hair growth Well, as if the life of a menopausal woman is not hard enough already. And the word struggly is used to describe messy hair. S-T-R-U-B-B-L-Y. Like bubbly, but strugbly. And bad hair days are apparently said to affect men more than they do women. I mean, I don't know about that because the men I date don't have any hair.
2: Sorry about that. No, it just wouldn't launch. It just kept going... um uh do you want to start a meeting
1: i was like no that's today's guest zoe lyons salvador dali successfully conned yoko owner out of 10 grand she paid for a hair from his moustache but instead he sent her a little blade of grass now i don't know if this one's apocryphal but Word has it that Elton John, Freddie Mercury and Rod Stewart toyed with forming a supergroup called Nose, Teeth and Hair. A Canadian brewery was forced to apologise after naming one of its beers, Huru Huru, which is a Maori word which they thought meant feather, but it turns out it actually means pubic hair. I mean, there is a link probably. And let's end on pubic hair, why not? Lord Byron would respond to the many locks of pubic hair sent by his female fans by sending them in return clippings
2: from his dog it's very much a teenage boys bedroom a weight
1: on the floor <laughs> zoe lyons started out in comedy in 2003 after training as an actor at the poor school in london she went on to win the funny women competition in 2004 and her debut edinburgh show was nominated for the best comedy newcomer award It's easier to list the TV and radio shows she hasn't appeared in than the ones she has, and her many, many credits include hosting Live at the Apollo and being a regular on Have I Got News For You, QI, and Mock The Week. Her TV work also includes a special on Alopecia for Channel 5 and a feature on The One Show. Zoe is a popular, regular voice on Radio 4 on shows including The News Quiz, Just A Minute, and The Unbelievable Truth. Her hobbies include diving, ultramarathons, paddleboarding, and her chosen specialist subjects on Celebrity Mastermind were Quentin Crisp and Jacques Cousteau. She's nothing if not eclectic. Zoe and I talked about alopecia, fitness, mindfulness, menopause, childhood, going gray, anxiety, TV formats, diving, survival, and wild pooing. But I started by asking her about being a runner.
2: I'm a slow plodder. Oh. I'm a slow, slow plodder, but I do, um, I'm, I'm doing 100k at the weekend. So I, um, I'm, I'm just sort of stretching things out so I, I don't die doing that. A hundred K? Yeah.
1: So how long will that take you? That would take me a
2: hundred days. About, hopefully about 16 hours. That's amazing. But I mean, it might, might go awfully wrong. Well,
1: I imagine it would have to go awfully wrong if you're running an inhuman distance. So a marathon is 40 K.
2: Yeah, I mean, I say running, Carrot, Callie. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be running, walking, and when we are running, it'll be very, 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 very slow. I people think to... do it. People do it properly. People like properly run it. Yeah,
1: I've got my old running trainer. When I first got into doing marathons, I had a really good running trainer, and he was absolutely. He would do all those. I remember one of the things he did, and he asked me if I'd like to join him. To which the answer was a firm no. no. He was running up and down the BT Tower. Just for shits and giggles. They literally went up, down, up, down for hours.
2: And I literally
1: thought I would give a lot of money not to
2: join you. And that's not, not only is that a horrific thing to do, it's not the building I'd choose to do it in either. What building would you choose for endless stair running? I'd choose something with a bit of um, girth. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe a bit of history. Yeah, what, the BT Tower? Yeah. He, no, I mean, that's, that'd be like running up and down like a massive lighthouse for hours. I'd prefer something where it had a sort of landing yeah. on each floor where you could just sort of get a bit of flats in.
1: Yeah, or like the Northern Line because that's quite a deep tube. You could go up one escalator, yeah. next, next. Yeah, and I'd, have I'd,
2: have, I'd, I'd have to really think about that one i'd like to think be of you choice. running up
1: and down a period building like some sort of mansion like a sort of um like a wench in distress
2: yes <laughs> in my victorian frocks <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i feel we we could do something with this stair running lark that these running boys have not even considered
2: <laughs> i've not even thought about it idiots. i know i know well, they
1: will when they listen to this which of course they will be doing is it in um is it for charity your 100k shorts? yeah
2: i'm doing it for um alopecia uk oh brilliant uh so yeah it'll be nice to feel the wind in my tuft
1: it was all oh steady. We've only just got started and it's a daytime, a daytime record, The Wind in Your Tuft. Is that going to be the name of your um, autobiography? It's a,
2: uh, that's a, that's a lesser known Simon and Garth Hunkel album. Um, didn't do very well. Yeah. They only did the acoustic version, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. The Wind in My Tuft is, um, yeah it's it's also a beautiful Disney film.:
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> One of the ones where they're trying to reinvent it as a feminist narrative. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah when she reclaims her tuft.: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm doing it for that, so um uh, I, yeah, it should be fun. I mean, it should I mean, I don't know. I've done it once before, and it was awful. Yeah, fun isn't the word that's springing to mind. I'll be quite straight no. with you. I think I think it's fun for the first 25k because um, then you have a sort of sense of, hey, we're doing something. And then after that, you're just like, why the fuck are we doing this? And
1: who's we? Who are you doing it with?
2: Me and my brother, my poor, poor brother, who did it with me last time. And he said, I will never do that again. And
1: where's he on the fitness scale? Is he fitter fit? Less he's pretty fit. fit. He's he? pretty
2: fit, yeah. He's pretty fit. Um, but neither of us have prepared properly for this. I've been in massive denial for the last month, and now it's nearly here. So do you know what? You just get it done. Like the washing up. You just get it. It's like the washing up. You don't want to do it. (laughs) It's not going to do itself. You said you'd do it. It's your turn to do it. We'll just get it done. Do you know, though, I think
1: um, I've never done anything that distance. The longest I've done is run a marathon. But I also walked a marathon length once for something else it was like a group challenge when I still had oh, a proper yeah. job and we were like told you could, it was for some kind of charity thing and you could either do 13 miles or 26 miles and I was like well I can run 26 miles so of course yeah. I'll do the 26 20- and walking 26 miles I found it exhausting because you're on your feet so much longer than if you ran it that's
2: true actually and yes. I was like
1: oh and I actually found it a right old struggle walking yeah. twenty six miles whereas and obviously running you find a struggle but you're it's, over for, yeah, it's over quicker. Yeah, it's over quicker. So being on your feet for sixteen hours.
2: Yeah, I mean the last time I did it, my left leg nearly fell off. It genuinely, I thought it was going to just fall off.
1: At what point did you think you were going to lose it? The knee, the hip? Where was it going to go? Uh,
2: it was. It was. Well, weirdly, from the knee upwards. So I'd have been just left with a calf. Um, so. Well, there's a look. Yeah. And a yeah. poster. Yeah, just a, just a stick between the hip and the calf. It would definitely take the focus off your alopecia. I'll tell you
1: Wouldn't that. It? Like, is Have it? you seen old one-legged lions? <laughs> don't look at that. Look at that. <laughs> exactly. It might be worth thinking about. Yeah. And is it, um, yeah, the thought of doing that amount of time, and also just mentally, you go through a lot of funny thoughts, don't you, when you're, only they're not yeah. very funny by the end, when you're they're stuck not very in your own head.
2: Yeah. But yeah. I, think that's, I think that's why I like it because i think like a lot of comedians i struggle to focus for any l- large amount of time so it's a single focus endeavor it's just finish it finish it finish it for 16 hours that's all you can think and so actually i find it quite calming does that make sense do you think there's something about for us like
1: as in terms of us as comedians And maybe us as menopausal women. But there's something about when, even if the thing you're doing is really difficult or painful, if that's the only thing you're meant to be doing, it's a massive relief. Because the rest of the time, I always have this sneaking feeling there's another 20 things I should be doing. Completely. And I'm failing at all of them.
2: Yeah. So that's what it is. It takes everything. You can't be on your phone. You can't be doing this. You can't be cleaning the sills. You're not deworming the dog. You're just doing one thing on repeat for hours. And I find that incredibly calming, really calming. I've had jobs before and like manual jobs where I've had to put jars in boxes for hours. And actually, I think it's probably the happiest work experience I've ever had.
1: I know someone who had kind of quite high high powered. I I know someone, an ex of mine always had quite high powered jobs. And then he decided one Christmas to go and work for Neil's Yard Dairy. Yeah. Just packing, it was between jobs. He thought like, he'll just go and volunteer and pack boxes. I say volunteer, maybe he did get paid. I don't know. But I know he packed books and he said it was the happiest two weeks of his life. Yeah. Just putting straw in boxes and then putting the cheese in the boxes. Yeah. And I think he was doing the hampers. So he got the added excitement oh. of seeing who, <sighs> was, who was getting the hampers. Yeah. And obviously he got some interesting names on the labels. So I think that kept his scurrilous spirit going. But yeah, he said he loved doing
2: it. I to I'd, love to, be, I'd love to I'd love to chop wood. That's what I'd like to do. If somebody said what is your dream job? it'd be wood chopper stacker.
1: Would it? I think wood chopping though, that's that's gonna play raise have it with your joints, isn't it?
0: Well,
2: I don't know. It depends how sharp your axe is, Kelly. Yeah, that's, that's true. If you've got yeah. a good sharp axe, yeah, yeah, maybe
1: I'm really bad at cutting um, logs. Like I have, a I do have a fire at home, and when I've been on sort of hearty outdoor holidays, my daughter and I quite like going to far-flung, cold places yeah. like Lapland, and you know where you've really got to kind of cut the logs yeah. and build the fires, or you're going to die. And I'm not very good at log cutting,
2: aren't you? How are you at fire starting? Good. I'm a good fire starter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing you really need, right? Someone else can forage, but we can (laughs) light the fire. I can light
2: the fire. No, I'm good.
1: Yeah, with yeah. minimal... I, they taught us when we were in Lapland um, the first time we went and they showed you how to make a spark out of um, out of damp foliage. Oh, and I'll, I'll honestly tell you, that's one of the best. That was <laughs> worth the flame ticket alone. How do you spark <laughs> a damp foliage? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I can't remember now, but it's a lot of rubbing and shielding and rubbing and... Sh- I'm doing it with my hands, which is yeah. good for an audio. But there's a lot of rubbing and, and, and you just get such purchase on the damp twigs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, in the end something happens i think jen brister's got a similar joke about getting pregnant she when people are like but how have you got pregnant when you're two women and, yeah, and yeah. she says we just rubbed ourselves together until like sticks are fire yeah. started up so yeah the jen brister approach but yeah it, it was something to do with vigorous rubbing in a dark room
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i've never wanted to visit i've never wanted to this to visit Lapland, but it's now on my Put that's on your bucket list
1: <laughs> well i think we've covered the important stuff that's us done thanks for coming on <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned your alopecia. So we, um, I was going to ask you about that. I know you've talked mm. about it and posted yeah. about it. So you're happy to talk about it. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah.
2: As, we, as I say, if you haven't got it, flaunt it. So yes. there you go. <laughs> and I told
1: you that I had a hair loss thing after I had surgery on my skull and yeah. they managed to, they managed to save my hair. For, during the operation, even though it was an ear-to-ear sort of um, cut, hope no one's eating when they're listening to this. But then my hair fell out afterwards with the stress of it all, which yeah, is I've a no right arse, right right like isn't it? Yeah. So they go to all those lengths to keep your hair, and then your body's like, we're shedding. That. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it's, it's distressing, isn't it, when it comes out? It's... Um... Really distressing. Really, mm.
1: and, and I think particularly there is whether people, it's a bit like when you say, oh, I have to wear makeup to go on stage and people say, "We well, don't have to. Well, it's yeah. like saying, well, you don't have to have hair as a woman. But yeah. unfortunately, the society we live in is much more accepting of a man not having hair than a woman not having hair. And that is a fact, yeah. not yeah. one of our invention.
2: And, you know, some men look better without hair and some women look great without hair. I've discovered I don't. I have a face that very, very much needs fuzz. I need not just fuzz, but a fr- I
1: need a full fringe. Like people are like, you look really young. I'm like, that's because my fringe comes down to my nostrils. And yeah, it's a good fringe though. It's
2: a good fringe. Yeah. Self,
1: self-styled. But yeah, it is. It, it, and I I too, um, I, I've got a high forehead at the best of times. Yeah. Obviously when you your just hair see goes, mine it goes all the way to the back <laughs> there you go when your hair goes that's not the best of times and does yours so you because i i didn't know when you'd for i know you and i talked at a gig um the other night and we were very relieved to find fellow anxiety with menopausal women in a green yeah. room yeah. um to the point i thought we were going to whoop ourselves up into a frenzy of just leaving yeah just go should we just <laughs> I, was like, I don't think i should we don't do have this. to do this <laughs> <laughs> we were all like we should be swimming and lighting like, yeah. fires and yurts um, or maybe outside yurts. but um but i didn't know when i i don't know why i assumed that it had come to you as an adult but it was you were a child when you first had alopecia
2: yeah when i first had it yes i was probably about 10 9 10, 10 yeah and it sort of came out in patches then um uh quite bad let's suppose i lost about a quarter of my hair when i was about 10 um but i could still cover it up this time around it was a lot worse this time it really went for it um it it will have all fallen out at some point, but not all at the same time. And bits are coming back. So that's... Yeah, you've got some good bits at the back. You're rocking a good got mullet. Some, look, I've, got a, I've got like a cracking curly mullet at the back. Yeah. This side's grown back curly. Not this side. That side's still straight, but this side's really curly and it really makes me
1: laugh. It's funny how hair does come back. I'm sure you've got friends who've had chemo, as have I. And the hair comes back very differently from before. My friend Nick has never had a better head of hair than since she lost all her hair in chemo. I'm sure she'd rather she hadn't had to go through breast cancer to have this amazing hair. But (laughs) But she now is in – yeah, she's all clear and got beautiful, lustrous hair. So it does come back different, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. so this bit's curly. This bit's growing back white on the side – I have no idea what I'm gonna look. At. I mean, it's,
1: I've heard of it coming back different, but not different all on one person. So you've got different hair within your one. I've got different planets, different head.
2: bits within. Yeah, yeah. Um, so
1: a bit of grey is going to be nice, though. So if you've got because you've got dark at the back, you're naturally dark. Yeah. haired.
2: Well, I already had when before my hair fell out. I had like a classic grey streak, um, that had grown naturally, like a um, a melon streak. Um And when my hair fell out, the only bit that didn't fall out was my grey streak because alopecia it sort of attacks white, doesn't attack white hair, like it attacks dark hair. So I was left with just my grey streak and um that sort of survived. Like right, so, just sort of fucked up Cruella de Vil. Honest to God, like a really, I've described myself as a sort of punk uh, Le, Pepe Le Pew. Do you
1: remember Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> of course I do. And yeah. I dare say there will be listeners who do. Yes, Pepe yes, Le
2: Pew, yeah. He'd be cancelled these days. He um, definitely would, and we will be slight, for mentioning Pepe Le Pew and that yeah, losing the appropriate skunk. But, um, <laughs> exactly. but I'm going to have a. De- I'm going to have a, like a punky Pepe Le Pew.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good look. And is it, Um, because I know we talked, I imagine losing lots of your hair at 10 wasn't a great laugh uh, with children not being too kind to each other at that age and definitely not in those days. There's no. no pastoral care going on in the background. And no, not really. Everything. all right? Do you want to come and yeah. talk to the pastoral coordinator?
2: Yeah, no, we just had to, my mum and I had to do just a, a very skillful architectural job of sort of weaving. I had long hair at the time, so we used to weave it across the top so that it would cover it. I mean obviously you're screwed with a strong wind but it um but I could mostly cover it mostly so it wasn't too bad yeah
1: and then as an adult especially doing what we do mm. where you do feel when you first go on stage you need to I went on once after really bad, like root canal that had gone wrong and I thought everyone was gonna think I'd had some sort of cosmetic surgery because my face was so puffy and I just thought this looks like I've just had my lips done on my yeah and I felt so compelled to talk about it more than anyone cared because yeah. thought but there is a need do you feel a need to address it on stage
2: y- yes because I generally wear i I don't wear my wig on stage uh just because I feel live work's different and I feel a bit freer and a bit more myself, does that make sense? Like, when I'm doing television, I, I, I feel the need to present differently, so I do wear my wig on television, but I don't for live work, so I do therefore mention why I'm either wearing a hat or, or a scarf, you know? Um, and I think, I think people assume you've got cancer. That's the thing. So almost, if you're covered your head, head as a woman, you know, on stage wearing a scarf. So I need to address it and talk about it and say, is this, this is what I've, this is what I've got. This is what I'm, you know, dealing with this. It's, it's, it's I'm fit and healthy otherwise. So, yeah. Um, I found it very difficult at first. I found it really hard. I just didn't... I genuinely didn't want anybody to look, to look at me. And that is an issue when you're a stand-up comedian. you a tiny one.
1: Is it, apart from in Edinburgh, where sometimes there is no one there to look yeah, at. Yeah, but there's literally no one here. An yeah. audience is a bonus. I'd have been fine
2: in my first Edinburgh. There would have been no one there exactly. to look at me. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I just, for the first... Yeah, for last year, I found it really, really tricky, really hard. And... um any time I signed up to a telly job or something, there'd a bit of me going, oh God, what am I going to do with the hair? You know, and uh, uh, I'm much more relaxed about it now. Yeah, much more relaxed about it. So it is what it is. And it would be a shame if it stopped me from doing anything just because I haven't got hair. Is there
1: a difference though? Because I I think with telly, there's, you can sort of, well, you, it's not just that you can curate your image more, but you're sort of almost expected to, you know, when they're asking you to send, you know, let them know what you want to wear and bring outfits Mm. in and hair and makeup. There's a whole understanding that there's a bit of a um, sort of, show that goes on and people will get you ready to be on screen. Whereas I think mm. what people don't realise you aren't stand-ups is there is no entourage, no one's like no. hair makeup, <laughs> what are you gonna wear? Have you got yeah. a sandwich? Have, you know, yeah. you're lucky if you can get a cornish pasty at a service station and anyone will let you
2: into the venue if you're a yeah. woman Like yeah, you're sure yeah. you're the comedian. Yeah. Um, you, so you do just spend a lot of time backstage with your head against the wall just going,
1: <laughs> oh God. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no yeah. backup. And so it really is everything about how you look, how you come on stage. It's all you from start to finish with stand up, uh, yeah. isn't it? And it is a very, um, there is quite a difference, I think, in terms of how when you and I were talking about um, about how we're feeling, and again, let me know if you're not happy to talk about any of this, but, but, but in terms of sort of anxiety, age-related, hormone-related, I don't know if you, I find I'm at my worst with live work, mm. and it isn't connected to how well or badly I'm doing on stage. I think things are going all right at the moment on stage, but there's a massive leap I need to make, from being in the car driving to the gig to getting to on getting stage. on the stage and the it's yeah. getting bigger, and I'm not quite sure why that is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think. I think the 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 precipice is always there. It's um. It's just our perspective on it, isn't it? I mean, it's all. I've always. I've always got nervous getting on stage. I've always been um unsure before I go on stage. Always um from day dot from doing stand up that's always been there i mean i've been able to manage it better as you know as you sort of progress and you go well i can clearly do this so you know i'll have a bit of confidence in myself but the nerves are always there um but i don't, yeah it's 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 very common for women our age to sort of um uh struggle with your own identity, struggle with what you are, struggle with where you're going, struggle with how you're looking, struggle with how you're feeling. I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, thank God we talk about it more now. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody even mentioned the menopause. And if you did, you know, it's was like wash your mouth out and go and sit in the cupboard. Nobody here wanted to hear about this. And I'm so glad that we do talk about it so much more. because it's, it's just perfectly normal, even in your most abnormal uh Anxiety riddled days. It's totally normal. You're not the only woman going through that. And, you know, there'll be women in high powered jobs in the city, you know, sitting in cupboards crying before they go into meetings. It's exactly the same. It's their, it's their green room moment. And, um, and, and by talking about it and by expressing it and by engaging in it and, it and owning it, we sort of take, we take the power out of the negative side of that and just go, well, we're all in, you know, we know, we know what we're going through. I we do know wonder how hard it is. It mm-hmm. if
1: men went through, because you've just described what I was like in my last boardroom days, because I, I only gave up my day job not long before the pandemic. And I never really talked about the fact, I, I knew I just couldn't do what I was doing anymore. And it was for yes. lots of reasons lots of them noble and good and um, healthy and hearty but there definitely was a massive smattering of I just can't cope I'm a menopausal woman in a boardroom full of blokes and I've just had it I can't do it yeah I'm upset I'm overwhelmed but I never mentioned any of that I, I look back at it I'm like that's the one thing I never mentioned I was quite honest about a few other things but yeah. I never actually said and you know there's something else going on here and that loads of women um, apparently um, that's a big sort of when women have children and when women go through the menopause the two times that women just fall out of really good jobs never to return um yeah. and if, if blokes were going through it there'd be an injection
2: wouldn't there yeah but then it's up to us to make you know blokes don't go through it they can't really help that you know they're lucky not to have to experience that we do go through it it's how we deal with it that changes the way blokes cha- deal with it too that's that's it you know um every, everybody in that boardroom will have had a, a, a mother a sister a cousin you know and, and their wives All you know it's how we talk about it so whilst i'm delighted for them that they don't have to experience this and slightly envious um we have to take the responsibility of altering the way that we talk about it too you know because there's so much shame attached to it wasn't there you know you you know you're an older lady you 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 you're your reproductive organs are dying and like flying out if you like dust you know what are you your hair's got all weird you your skin's got you know it's it's been happening since the birth of time we i run to, to use a birth analogy the birth for of time. Yeah. You know. yeah but it's it's, but it's i'm not so that glad we're- that we're now talking about it and taking taking control of it because that's the other thing about menopause is that you feel completely and utterly out of control at times you feel We've all had those moments where you, you. Moods, brain fog, memory—it's—it feels like it's lack of control. It's not. We can. We we are and we can have control of ourselves and the way that we deal with things. And if and if the way we deal with things is simply by going, I can't cope today, so deal with that. That's fine. Yeah, it is fine in theory, but it's quite hard.
1: in because I think one of the things that people um you know, I have kids, you don't have kids. It's not really about, for me, it's not been about any symbolism of, oh, I can't have babies anymore. It's But that's been, although it is a party I'd like to decide not to go to. Do you know what I mean? It's like someone's having a shit wedding and they're like you like invite me and then I'll say no don't just decide I can't go um so there's an element of not being invited to the party but it's not really that is it for me it's just that absolute unpredictability and they're like they're going through the four seasons about 72 times a day I just find that really tiring and then you're like you know right I'm going to be on live at the Apollo and be the best stand-up ever and then I'm like I'm going to go and um, you learn to weave lavender and yeah. it, it's like drop a of wood, yeah, yeah. wood. Yeah. Um, yeah but it is a real if that the day that we were speaking I just sort of articulated that day to somebody how because I never used to feel anxious it wasn't my thing I would feel depressed and I would struggle in lots of ways but anxiety wasn't the thing that that I found debilitating and now I literally wake up like gasping with anxiety in the night usually about things I'm not actually even worried about in the day so <laughs> yes. like full-on
2: nonsensical and free-floating anxiety my friend said it is the wolf hour that's what they call it isn't it yeah 3am the wolf out the hour of the wolf when
1: I was younger I'm sure the hour of the wolf was a lot more fun I'm sure it was
2: yeah yeah it's shit but yeah the hour of the wolf where you lie there and you think about absolutely all of life's catastrophes and there's nothing you can do about it um it's like being sort of yeah, it's like being in a sort of state of paralysis. There's nothing you can do about any of these problems at three o'clock in the morning, but your brain decides that it's a brilliant time to consider them all and their repercussions.
1: You've got some great material about that. I've heard you do. I'm last time yeah. when we gigged together. You've got some lovely stuff about the problems one can't solve, but which come to mind at that, yeah. at that moment, my new show that doesn't matter or can't be solved. Yeah.
0: Namaste, motherfuckers. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. It's kind of
1: interesting for people to hear, like when you look at you from the outside in, you just look like a massive success story. So, in terms of what you do professionally, you've got your marriage. you you. It's you look like you've kind of sorted it, and it's sort of a it's kind of a relief to go. All oh, right, so Zoe Lyons feels all these. <laughs> oh, shit there is not. We feel
2: there is not a day that goes by that I don't find myself at some point standing somewhere in my flat, just going, "You fucking idiot! What are you doing?" <laughs> What the fuck are you doing with your life? What are you doing now? Why are you googling that? Who cares when Mother Teresa died? This is not relevant to what we're. I mean, I am an absolute. I mean, and my wife will come home and go, "How was your day?" And I'm like, "Just bad. Just I've just done nothing. I've been so unfocused. I, you know, I struggle every single day. Every single day, mostly with myself. Yeah, mostly with myself. Um." I find it really hard. And I think because being a stand up's hard, isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, you know, relatively, but you just, just producing material's difficult. And sometimes I go through months where there's just nothing, I have nothing funny I want to say. And I'm like, and like you, then I go, maybe I'll just become a, um, King crab fisher person in the Alaskan waters. That's what I'm going to do with myself. I got so bad about um 18 months ago. I, I, I was seriously looking into how I would volunteer in an Antarctic research centre. Turns out the skills that I can bring to the party aren't needed in an Antarctic research centre.
1: They don't want jokes about penguins. That's not. They close really, enough.
2: really don't. Even even if I was the chef, I'm going to say cook. Um, I'd have to bring more to the party than that. So yeah, I just wanted to run away so badly from from you know being presented with myself. That was, that's where I was looking. But
1: the thing is, you'd have still been there. That's what we have to realize. Yes.
2: Yeah, you'd get on a plane, you'd go all the way to New Zealand, and then you'd go even further south than that. And you'd be like, oh god, this is a long way from home, isn't it? This is going to be a different existence. You'd get on a boat, you'd go past the South Sandwich Islands, you'd end up in Antarctica, and fuck oh, me, there you are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the thing. And that's what you realize, isn't it? And it's it's like the Buddhist thing, isn't it? Of like it's net. Like we keep thinking, if I can just get there or if I can just do this, or when I've done that everything will be fine but it's meant to be it's now isn't it like that's that's the bit that's that that matters and it's I've got more into just sitting in the moment and being mindful. One could mm-hmm. also argue sitting in the moment of procrastination and total yeah. lack of productivity.
2: It's but such, I'm a gonna, thin line.
1: such a thin <laughs> line. I'm going to call it, it Buddhism for the sake of <laughs> <I'm,
2: laughs> Next time my wife just catches me staring <laughs> off into space, just sort of <laughs> flicking the fluff out of my navel, I'm going, be mindful. Think, if you don't, you know, be respectful of my mindfulness. Exactly. I'm um, very in touch with my. It, it's true. Try, trying to live in the moment, though, is. is Again, it's such a it's a fridge fridge magnet magnet cliche, isn't it? You know, all you have is now, be in the present. It is such a fridge magnet cliche, but it but it is absolute, and it's it's definitely true, and it's a definite core of truth. But I think, again, doing what we do as stand-up comedians, you're constantly seeking the next thing, so you're never allowed to be in the moment. You're always thinking, you know, once I get that, this will be fine. Once I get that, that'll be tight. Like you just said, you know, it's a constant seeking forward. It's, what are you doing? What projects are you working on? Sometimes we've got nothing. Well, for me probably more
1: times than you, Zoe, to be fair. You seem you know to what?
2: have <laughs> I have large swathes of nothing. But, but and, and I think, you know, there's a there's a big anxiety attached to that, that if you've got nothing in the pipeline, you are there for nothing.
1: And then you don't enjoy the bit, the number of times, because you and I have in common also, that well, as well as having um, hitched our wagons to Dutch stars, although I'm no longer with my Dutch kids' dad, but you are with yeah. your Dutch wife. So we've got that in common and age, but also that we do loads of corporate stuff. Like we'll do, you know, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get booked as the turn for corporates. And that's quite, and there's, And the good thing about that is you get paid enough that you can take your foot off the gas a little bit sometimes and go, well, I've done those two awards and now I can not worry for the month, which is incredibly privileged. I know that we do that. But I don't know about you, I don't ever enjoy, every time I get booked for anything, a gig, a bit of telly, a corporate, an awards, I always think, well, that'll be the last one I ever get then. That's me done. No one's going to want me to do that again. Not because of it going badly. I just assume, well, that's the pipeline run out. So instead of if I do get three weeks without one, I'm like, thank God for that. I'm calling my agent going, do you think they don't want me for corporates anymore because we've yeah. not got one? Yeah, And then I get them. I'm like, Oh, I wish I didn't oh, have Oh yeah, here they yet. are. Yeah. yeah. So it's not I, enjoying the quiet in the storm, isn't it?
2: I think, I think this year was the first year I managed to do that. Uh, I had a very quiet August and I just thought, do you know what, I'm going to roll with it. I mean, it, it sort of helped that we in a selfish way suffered some brutally hot weather. Um, not good for the planet, but very good for my mindfulness in that I was like, well, I'm just going to sit about in hot weather. And I'm just I... going to sit and sweat. And that is my yeah. task. I went swimming in the sea. I bought a paddleboard and a, and a barbecue. And I was like, I'm just going to. Did you use them together or were they for separate occasions? I'm not confident enough on the paddleboard to <laughs> to, barbecue. Uh, to bring fire into the uh, situation. <laughs>
1: Paddle boarding is hardcore, though. I I um I spend quite a lot of time in the Netherlands still in Amsterdam, and we the flat we have is on the water out to the east of the stage, and That bit, which is actually, I don't know how much you and your partner ever go to Amsterdam, but it's yeah. It there's there's a bit where you are allowed to swim and paddle board. It's not a canal; it's the actual river, and um, okay. and people paddle board there. And I look at it. I'm like, that is that's that's core strength I'm really bad. in action, isn't it? Yeah,
2: I do it on my knees, like like most things in life. Yeah, um, like
1: the washing up and yeah, and our asking for forgiveness when you've been unbearable to your wife.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But so I'm not, boarding. But, but I've had a nice summer. I've had a nice summer and I was able to um relax about it. Yeah. So
1: not being in Edinburgh there was there's a certain relief <laughs> although people were hiding their nervous breakdowns this year, weren't they? I was like, "Hold on, how bad is it up there? People seem to be having a good time, but now they're coming back, we're getting the
2: war stories." I was up for 2 days. How was it? It was funny. It was um, <clears throat> Um I, well, I don't think the bin strike helped. Let's be honest; it did have a sort of slight apocalyptic feel to the streets, um, rats running around at night. But it often
1: feels like there's a bin strike in Edinburgh during the fringe, yeah. even when there's not, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: I, ju- I, I, um, I've done the fringe many, many times. I've done quite a few solo shows up there. But I, I, for me personally, selfishly, I went up and I went. I think I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with it. Um. Not, not, and I don't say that in a, because I don't need to do this anymore. I don't mean that at all. I just, I just, I do find the whole month quite stressful. And, um, uh, I I suppose one of the advantages of getting to, to, to the age I'm at now is that I'm much better at going, I'm not going to do that because it makes me feel really unwell. (laughs)
1: I know exactly what you mean, although I haven't put in the years you've put in to be able to do that. I, I haven't been since 2019, and part of me feels much the same, but I think also I'm definitely a stage where I probably do need to just square up to it. And I do think maybe going for two weeks, not four, if you're not trying to be not, nominated, not, is probably yeah. a sensible thing and just get a show together for the joy of getting a show together and not put it all on Edinburgh.
2: But having said that, the person who won, um, Sam Campbell, isn't it, who won the the... The award this year he only did 10 days, I think, or two weeks. Well, that's a model we're all going to be. <laughs> I, no, that. a t- I assumed he'd so done whole thing. No, I think everybody did assume that. But I'm not sure whether they changed the rules quietly or whether it's always been in the small pit. But, but you no longer have to do the full run. I know as a newcomer, you do have to do the full run, don't you? So
1: maybe newcomers do, or maybe they've changed that as well. But I know for no. newcomers, it used to be the whole run. It's a long time. Yeah, no it's too long, that. and also just to be away from. At a certain point, not that I live in a castle, but at a certain point, you've worked hard to sort of have a home life you quite like, yeah. pajamas that you quite like, things on yeah. the radio you quite like, and you like. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to go out, but I sometimes think I don't really want to be staying in a sort of flat that I would have lived in when I was nineteen for yeah.
2: Yeah. a month. Now that I'm fifty-three, yeah. yeah. No, it's um, nice. Yeah, nice to pop up. Nice to pop up. Pop nice up. up and pop down.
1: And yeah. do you um because you do lots of you do lots of outdoory things because I one of the things I I saw when I was looking into the the back catalogue of Zoe Lyons <coughs> <laughs> and there was a sobering afternoon five minutes <laughs> yeah um there uh and then the kettle boiled and I was like, yeah that was it done. uh but you did um I as you know I used to work in tv production and I worked I didn't realize you were in the first Survivor um over yeah university. yeah which lots of people because Survivor is an absolutely massive format in the states, in particular. Yeah was the highest rating ever show outside of the Super Bowl when it started on CBS in the States. And I used to work for the guy who created Survivor, which is a whole other podcast. Wow. At the time when you... So I was across the kind of... um, dealings behind the scenes of that show happening but that's a really (laughs) tough that is a tough show to be on so people here well it was on ITV over here Mm -hmm. yeah and lots of people won't be as familiar with it because we've had other reality shows that seem bigger even though that is a juggernaut of a show elsewhere but that is a tough show and you got right through to you got through to close to the end
2: yeah I got quite close to the end I sort of lasted about 30 days or so um uh, it was yeah it was quite an interesting thing because it was right at the forefront of reality tv in this country yeah. and they had had it in the states like you say and it'd been massive in america um whereas big brother in the states had tiny. been a bit of a flop yes. and where but over here big brother know. was massive and yeah. survive was a not a flop but it certainly didn't take off to the same extent as it did in the states um and i just think that says it's it's sort of It's a sort of reveal of our cultural differences, whereas Brits will quite happily sit around watching other people sitting around (laughs) in sofas, you know, drinking wine and shouting at each other. Uh, A more American approach to those sort of entertainment programs is to watch. People carrying shit through a jungle. Yeah. Uh, they're a bit more outdoorsy. I wonder um, if they
1: watch Google Books in the US. I wonder if that's a thing. I don't
2: think they would get that. No. You see, that's quite, feels quite British. That. Does, Maybe I'm it? wrong, but it does feel quite British. Um, so it wasn't the success that it was in the States, but it was quite interesting to be at the the, the forefront of reality television. They, they, they spent a lot of money on that show as well. They spent a lot of money on it. And, um, and it was really hard. It was really tough. It was, was it filmed really, really on location
1: tough. in Panama? Was that where they were? Still it was, doing um, it?
2: that was the second one. I was in Borneo. Borneo. The one yeah. we did was Borneo. Yeah. Because
1: we used to use, because we used to part of, I was part of the company that sort of as I say sort of, well basically sold it to people around the world and we yeah. used to have a it was shot in Panama with an Argentinian crew yeah, and we did it with Russians and Ukrainians we did all different versions of it and it was wow. definitely yeah there were definitely um, interesting mixes culturally and geographically yeah. but the actual show is brutal and in those days they didn't have um, I wrote a piece for the Financial Times not that long ago about the um, toll that reality TV still takes on people psychologically and it not being a new thing because somebody actually committed suicide on the very first um in Sweden when Survivor was called Expedition Robinson
0: oh, somebody God, committed yes.
1: suicide after the first ever one of that show around the world and then it just got kind of laid to rest for a few years and then came back as Survivor right. on the back of Mark Burnett having created the US one so you were the sort of first experiment of the new incarnation of Survivor yeah um, and it was a really I mean a br- brutal format really yeah
2: yeah it was very brutal it was very brutal um I nearly died within the first sort of three minutes of that show. What did you do? Oh, I, well, what I did, Callie, to get on the show is I sort of exaggerated my physical abilities at the time and I wasn't as fit as I said I was. And um, I'm very cack-handed and really clumsy. I we mean, had to jump off this big boat onto rafts and I sort of got caught between the big boat and the raft and like my head got stuck and I thought, oh, well, this will be the quickest exit of any show ever. And I got, yeah, trapped between a boat and a raft by my neck. Um, several things happened on that show I got bitten by a moray I nearly got bitten by a ringed crate one night When I went for a wee They always said don't wee in the bushes at night Because the snakes are there And you sort of forget after a while And then went down for a wee And like with this torch And this stood up in front of me This snake just stood up in front of me And um, yeah, it was um, yeah It was quite intense It was quite intense and psychologically quite intense that's as well. That's what I was I going to ask, because, the,
1: because they really set it up. I mean, you, you did end up getting kind of pushed. There was sort of politics of how you ended up having to leave, right? People decide they'll pick a team, they'll yeah, pick alliances. That's it.
2: Pick alliances, and I got booted out. It's um, horrible,
1: though. That's like not being picked for netball only on yeah, national yeah, television yeah. and exhausted. Thankfully, I was
2: well-versed at not being picked for netball as well, so I was used <laughs> to that feeling of rejection. Um, but I do I vividly remember, I mean, it was 20 years ago now, but I remember the last few days I was there Because you're so tired and so hungry um, I did start to hear voices in my head <laughs> There was just one day that I, re- I was like I saw that chatter And it was really real I was like such chattering and chattering and chattering It was at night And then I went oh, That's in my head I can hear that in my head It was quite odd And because we we'd been basically starved for a month. When I did get sort of taken off the island and they do give you food, um, I found it really tricky to eat it because I just wanted to hide it. I just reached that point, like I just must've hit that tipping over point of going, well, I'll, I'll just bury this in some dirt and save it for myself for later
1: and they set it all up i mean i know having worked on reality shows since then you know um and in fact on the first big brother over in the netherlands um before then and and it is very much manipulated you know, in order to get what you want on telly, which is people yeah. getting increasingly desperate, tense, willing to sort of gouge each other's eyes out with a sharp stick. Yeah. That makes good telly, doesn't it? But how did you, mm. I think I would be absolutely, I can't think of anything worse than being on a reality show. I would find Big Brother, like I, I couldn't begin to think of doing it, let alone something which has got some outdoor kind of proper hearty jeopardy. It was not really hearty. Yeah. That makes it sound like a sort of Duke yeah. Edinburgh award. <laughs> <laughs> with
2: no badges. I <laughs> didn't get a no Present you and then I got the no end. badge, nothing, no nah. anchors. Oh, but how solid. did
1: it leave it some, you know, how, how was it afterwards then coming out of it? And now you look back at it because it also, as a young, as a much younger woman, I don't know, oh. I felt less resourceful at that age
2: than I do now. I don't think I'd have coped at all. Um, I mean, I found what I was good at. I was, um, were you a whittler? I, I, I'm less of a whittler, I was a very good spearfisher person. <laughs> Well, I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I and 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 it was um I at the time I was very very good at holding my breath underwater. I could I could oh, like do 2 minutes. I could do wow. Like because I was really thin. Um and um I just got very good at being able to catch fish underwater. That's quite um, an amazing thing. Did you watch The Octopus Teach? Was it called The
0: Octopus
1: Teach? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is a beautiful, if anyone hasn't seen it, I think an absolutely beautiful film. I
2: think he was more into The Octopus than The Octopus was into him. But, Definitely, you know, but t'was yeah, it was ever less. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, um, we've all it's been a there. bit much of an octopus is <laughs> saying of their partner, bit handsy. Um, <laughs> but he
1: could hold, say what you like about that that octopus stalker. But he could hold his breath.
2: Yeah, he could hold his breath for a lot. There's something really. I, I'd love to be able to do. I'd, I'd love to be able to do that now because there's something really lovely about being able to hold your breath for a long time underwater. Um, there's that moment between pain in your bursting lungs and a zen-like peacefulness which i probably think is quite dangerous but... it's probably a kid to drowning people say it's a people i always wonder how the people who
1: say it know but people say drowning's a very good way to go don't they
2: i don't know if it is i think it must be quite painful well i also I think,
1: think anybody saying it doesn't know do
2: they <laughs> They haven't no
1: idea how do you know? yeah
2: they've just watched a movie <laughs> yeah yeah but no that became my strength um and what i've learned to do in, in on that show And actually, later on in life, is um, I've learned to let other people have a bash first. Um, I've learned to deal with egos quite well, um, because you know, on a show like that, you get you obviously get a collection of egos. And um, so we got given this spear and fins and goggles, and immediately all the blokes went, "Right, we'll go get fish." (laughs) And off they went. And and I just knew I could. I just knew I'd be quite good at it. So I was like, oh, phew, all right then, you know, and they spent hours trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing. And then in the end, they went, could I um, give it a go? And they were like, yeah, whatever. And um, yeah, worked out I could do it. Do you use that skill off the coast in Hove? Every day I'm yeah. out there spearfishing. <laughs> it's very unpopular amongst the <laughs> swimmers of Hove. <laughs>
1: occasionally getting a small child yeah, you, know, like, I mean, you know I'm so sorry I thought it was a
2: large grouper how did I know it was your 5 year old <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's plenty of parents of 5 year olds would be like please yeah <laughs> spirit take yeah. it off yeah so is it because um, those things also the isolation of that it's funny do, doing a show like survivor but also thinking about i don't know that there's something quite isolating about what we do for a living there's something quite mm. isolating about you know we are apart from the norm aren't we we're standing in rooms facing the wrong way for a living yeah. that's not
2: how evolution works
0: yeah not yeah.
1: facing your tribe do, doing yeah. something
2: different yeah it's a I think it's about um it's about feeling uncomfortable and doing it anyway isn't it yeah
1: walking towards discomfort I know yeah. and and on the days when I think I just want to go off and I don't know why I think weave baskets. I think I, at one time at school they made us try and weave a basket. My basket did not end well. They would, I wouldn't have been able to gather, take your fish from you and take them anywhere in yeah. my basket. But I th- when I think about that, I also think, yeah, but sometimes we probably need these kind of heady, scary, anxiety-inducing things to enjoy the bit when that's not happening.
2: I, I, th- I think so. I really agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, something is learnt out of being uncomfortable completely.
1: As you're going to know on Sunday night after oh wa- walk running
2: oh uh,
1: 100k. <laughs> so, oh, my God.
2: Like I said, the last time I did it, it hurt so bad. And I shat myself on Hayward Heath Golf Course. So
1: it was just awful. I mean, was... I have to say, though, cue just for the place you picked. Did you know <laughs> when you say shat yourself, you didn't manage to pull a Radcliffe it and get under a, 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 under um, a sheet? Wh-
2: what happened was it was um it was a slow, steady release uh, from about 56k onwards. And what I've what I have learned from run walking a hundred k consistently is, um, uh, continually rather is that you if if you need to go, go. Don't do. I what think I that did. even
1: with a short jog around the park, if I need yeah. to go, I'll go. Really? I am. Yeah. Well, I'm a big believer. Just to really get this all out there, I think we started on a very unsavoury <laughs> note, and I'd like to get onto another one before I ask you the three questions I ask everyone. But the um, I am a big believer of. Um, of a what's it called not a lump <laughs> <lackative>. and run <laughs> yeah dump and run yeah uh, that's the name of my new business uh yeah. menopausal dump and run yeah. no the um what's the thing you know what's the thing you take to stop you going to the toilet
2: um like a diar, like an emodium or something. Emodium, so yeah. If
1: I run a marathon, I absolutely yeah. take an emodium. I wouldn't contemplate running that far without taking an emodium. I couldn't begin to. So I'm, I'm stopping stuff up for sure. But you oh, want to okay. stop, stop off after you've got stuff out. You don't want to go too early with the Imodium. No, you don't you want, want to a carry it, but... evacuation. Yeah, and I mean, then it's... a barrier
2: to be built. It, yes, it's that. It's all in the timing, isn't it? It is, It yeah, yeah. really is all in the timing at what point you pop the finger in the dike. It's just, it's, exactly. it's all
1: in the timing. It, as as with all things. But yes, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of, um, also, because when you take the run, do you take gels when you're going around? Will you be taking running gels? I, I do, and
2: some of them hit your stomach quite they badly. They really
1: do. I mean, I can't have the caffeine ones of those because no, the God, on top of no, whatever the other stuff is that's in that them. Which, you yeah. are
2: asking for trouble if you have the caffeine ones. That yeah. is, yeah, no, that's... Um, uh, what I learned from the last time I did it was, but after about 60 kilometers, all you want is crisps. Right. I meant to be fair after about six minutes awake, all I want is crisps. So crisp. You just want crisps. You just want salty crisps. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take some crisps in my bag. You're going Help to have
1: um, Pringles in your camel pack. I'm going to have cringles <laughs> in my
2: bag. I'm going to attach Pringles to my camel pack like a sort of ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas have like samurai swords. This is gonna be two tubes of Pringles. Yeah.
1: Take your fucking jelly beans away from me. Yeah. yeah. I want full I've got MSG non potato. Sour smack. cream
2: and chive Pringles, <laughs> that'll get me around. That's what you see, all the pro athletes eating. Namaste motherfuckers.
1: What would you pick, Zoe, as your namaste motherfucking life changing moment?
2: My oh god. I think I've had a few. Um I think for, for me, it might sound a bit cheesy, but when I got, when I got to do my game show on BBC, I say my game show, I didn't come up with the, with the idea of it. They just stuck me in a suit in front of the camera. But when I got to present a game show on BBC, there was a bit of me that went, fuck well, yeah, this has been worth it. Like it was, I got an, an evening tea time telly game show and, um, it made all of that crying in layby's and eating gingsters and dying at gigs I had some good gigs but you know you don't really remember them you know the shitty moments of being on the road for years it was like yay here we go i, had, I really felt chuffed to fucking bits and it's that um, was last year yeah 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 we got, two two we got to do two of them we got to do two series and then they went no i've had enough of that um you can we'll have that back thanks and uh, get out the suit but um uh, Yeah, it was um, You know those moments where you allow yourself to go Oh, look what I've done I managed to get here <laughs> yeah. And also right after lockdown What a great time to yeah. be doing it
1: When we've all just been wondering why we exist And what we're going to do next And if we'll ever yeah. work again And you come zinging
2: in you with your own show in With yeah. Miosha in a shiny suit yeah. Honestly, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed The cheesiness of it all uh, shiny floor, shiny suit, tea time quiz. I was like, yeah, man, I felt right at home. I had a, I felt, it was a, it was a proper moment of, yeah. Cause I, look, the first bit of telly I did was survivor. <laughs> What a change. You weren't spearing fish on
1: BBC yeah, Two yeah, at tea yeah. time. They did there was no call for that. What happened yeah. to the shiny
2: suits? Still in my cupboard. There oh, was so a bit of got me, the shiny suits. I've got, got them there was a bit yeah. of me where they axed the show. They always say axed, don't they? Yeah. Uh, they always say axed, not re not not recommissioned, um, yeah. when they asked the show, that was a bit of I me mean, that was very tempted to take the shiny suit and my wig round to the Oxfam round the corner and just have them put it in the window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or sell it for 50p to the first comer. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they let you tell
2: them what to do yeah. with your offerings. Yeah. Just one <laughs> game show host suit and wig for sale. <laughs> Hardly be like... <laughs> used.
1: Be like It would be like Princess Diana's Ford Fiesta, won't it? Yeah. Because that that's £650 million.
2: I don't think we'll be getting that for the suit. I settled quite heavily in it.
1: Yeah, well, as one does uh, yeah. at a certain point in one's life. Or yeah. in my
2: case, always.
1: Yeah. Um you've done but you're doing quite a bit more presenting. Is that your is that your thing? Is that what you want to do you want to do more? Because you're a very good presenter.
2: I've played a good comedian,
1: but it's are you manifesting lots of I'm manifesting. Presenting? I'm manifesting.
2: Yeah. Do you know I, what?
1: Manifesting is a wit
2: weird... Do you believe in manifesting? Well,
1: it's funny because um we may, or well, I won't say what it is because we're not meant to say what it is. But I've got when I first did, got into comedy, somebody who I worked with at the time—this is seven years ago—she mocked up a picture of me on the side of the show i most wanted to be on, and I've got that, and I've got it. I framed it, and then I heard a couple of weeks ago I'd got that show. Oh wow! And I just sent her the me- I just sent her a text saying, "Remember when you did this picture for me? This is I've, I'm doing it next month." And she then she was like, oh my god I didn't think you'd still have the picture and you framed it I said yeah I framed it back then because it meant so much to me that you did it yeah yeah but I, so there you are so she I mean I don't know I don't know if I'm sounding a bit Noel Edmonds which isn't I don't, something I often of, do yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> people don't usually model us up but I I don't know about I do think without getting too hippy about it. That if instead of thinking what you don't want, like I don't want a real day job or I don't want to have to have a boss or whatever, if you do think, well, what would what would what I want to do look like if I could do anything and I couldn't fail? Mm. How would life be? Yeah, I reckon we can get closer to that.
2: I think think so too. And I think it's, I think it's, yeah, and I think it's, uh, it's not manifesting. It's not some sort of mythical unicorn sprinkling, you know, magic poo on your life. It's, it's being open to opportunities when they present themselves like being able to see them for what they what they could actually be um um and take taking opportunities and running with them and
1: also what to say no to because i think if you've decided this is where i'm going so if you know at a certain point presenting is what you want to do Mm. that's going to inform on lots of other things you don't do along the way yeah, and therefore make it more likely that you'll become a presenter. Whereas if you're yeah. thinking, well, actually, I've got to do this and I've got to do that to keep my profile up at a certain point, if you know, well, actually, I don't want to be this type of a comedian or I don't want to be this type of a person on a panel show, that's quite yeah. liberating because you're like, well, I kind of wanted it because everyone's getting it and it irked me. I wasn't, but actually, I don't even want I don't, it. I, want it. Yeah. 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 I
2: don't want it. It doesn't suit me. And that's the other thing. If it doesn't suit you, you know... Because, yeah, I think, like most comedians, there have been times where I've been like, why haven't I got that? And you go, because... So it's it really, really wouldn't suit you. <laughs> it really wouldn't. Um, so I've I've done a little bit more presenting and I thoroughly enjoy it and I'd like to do more of it. So that's... And you're very good at it. And I Thank feel as, an ex, as a person who, an ex-tele
1: executive, I feel the industry will be very much onto this and you,
2: you, yeah, you're manifesting. <laughs> I'm manifesting it, yes. baby. And um, what is your favourite joke? It's a really stupid, silly joke. I can't even remember where I heard it first. I love joke jokes, like sort of Tommy Cooper jokes. Um, And my favourite joke, I think it's because it's quite visual. It really appeals to my childish brain. This doesn't have to be my joke, is that right? It can be anybody's joke. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Man goes to a pet. It's an old fashioned joke. Brace yourself. It's (laughs) end of a peer joke. Man man goes to a pet shop. And he went, um, I'm looking for a slightly unusual pet. And he said, uh, The pet shop's. Only oh, went well i do have um a talking caterpillar and um he went oh right he said where is it well he's in his little house over here so he stays in his little house over here <laughs> he's a talking caterpillar He went oh, all right, went, all right well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take it i'll take it you know him for a penny even for a pound i'll take this talking caterpillar." but so he takes him home pops him in his living room leaves him for a day obviously he's settling He's, you know and uh first morning knocks on the caterpillar's door and says um uh hello um i'm going for a walk do you want to join me absolutely nothing from the house nothing at all not not a peep okay i'll give it another go so he knocks again on the door because uh, uh hello i'm going for a walk um just wondered if you wanted to join me Again, nothing from the house. He's like, I've been sold a dud, and I? There's nothing in there. This is ridiculous. I don't even believe there was a talking catapult in there. I'm such an idiot. He gives it one more go. He knocks on the door and he goes, um, I'm going for a walk. I just wondered if you wanted to. And from inside the house comes, I heard you the first time. I'm just putting my shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> Such a silly joke. I'm suspecting
1: a a 1970s origin story (laughs) for that joke. I just love it. Me too. It's a silly, silly joke. It is. And it's good that there are some comedians that like jokes because lots don't. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I (laughs) know.
2: Oh, I don't may ver- you rain. Oh, I'd have been very happy in a bow tie in the seventies with on telly with a with a cigarette on the go and a glass of whiskey. I hear
1: you, sister. I hear oh, you,
2: yeah, <laughs> and if right you could girl.
1: give um one bit of life advice, Zoe, to anybody listening, what would it be?
2: It would be trust your gut, trust your gut um that is my one bit of life advice um uh we we live in a world where we are hyper communicating with each other and yet we don't tune into ourselves at times and um i've I've become very aware that we 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 are mere animals uh and we have a gut we have a gut for a reason keeps you alive and in that same way when you walk into a room and you go "Hmm, something's a bit off you know i don't mean somebody's left a quiche behind a radiator i mean somebody's you know there's something's happened in here some 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 Something has happened between people in here and you can feel it. Um, uh, That fascinates me and uh, I'm fascinated by gut instinct because I think when you're younger particularly and when you're a bit of a people pleaser, you don't listen to your gut. You you listen to what you think you should be doing or what you should be saying. And actually, very rarely is your gut wrong. Um, So if you think someone's a dick, they're probably a dick and roll with that feeling, and just protect yourself.
1: That was Zoe Lyons. So that is it for this week. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Please do remember to rate, review, and recommend the show. And we will be back in your feed next Thursday, as always, when I will be talking to award winning singer songwriter Foy Vance.
0: If I go out and play in front of people, and if they tell other people, and I come back and there's more people at that gig, then there you go, proofs in the pudding. And if there's not,
1: in the Namaste, motherfuckers. Was written and presented by me, Kali Beaton, and produced by Mike Hansen and Karusha Darmi for Pod People Productions, with music by Jake Yap. I'm Kali Beaton. Until next time, motherfuckers.